It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Coming to you from a a van on a re- urban street, we got Rebecca, <laughs> and coming to you from 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 her her little cozy cozy hideaway, we got Rachel. How are you both doing? Great, I'm doing great. I'm in a Corolla with windows. <laughs> oh, is, is that a minivan? <laughs> not a minivan. No. no, looks like no. okay. Um, so I got I I was I was on the. Uh, on the internet doing some reading about alcohol this morning um, as, as is something I like, like to look, I I've started drinking grog. Um, you're making a, making a strange what is, what is grog? So grog is, well, I'm, I'm doing my own version of grog. So grog is, is pretty much what English sailors drank for 200 years to keep from getting scurvy. Um, I think pirates probably drank a lot of grog. So, so the English, the English Navy would give their sailors uh, a grog twice a day to keep them from getting scurvy. So grog, grog is rum, water, sugar, and lime juice. I leave the, uh, I leave the sugar out. But uh, so, so my version of grog is the, uh, the sugar-free version, but a little bit of rum, a little bit of water, a little bit of ice, a little bit of fresh lime juice. Mmm, mm, delightful. So, uh, but then that got me looking at daiquiris. And so like the original daiquiri was, was just rum, lime, and sugar, which is, I mean, pretty much grog. It's just, it's grog without the water, right? But I didn't know, when do you think the frozen daiquiri was invented? Frozen daiquiri, um, blenders. <laughs> yeah, probably like the 1950s. I would say. Oh, oh, see, see, I would have thought that too. Um, the, the, by the way, the frozen the the daiquiri connoisseurs apparently think the frozen daiquiri is an abomination. But uh, frozen daiquiri invented in 1971. Wow. When, wow. Yeah. When a dude walked into a 7-Eleven and saw a Slurpee machine and thought, huh, what if there was alcohol in there? Um, so <laughs> that that is the uh, apparently the history of the daiquiri. Um, listeners, this has been Alcohol Talk. 
at the child care bar and grill. Um, so we're going to talk about, we, last time we were together, we talked about some sensory sensory play. This is kind of uh, a build building off of that because we talked about the, the fact that sensory play doesn't just happen in a little bin with uh, shaving cream or rice or or water beads or whatever it is. Sensory play should involve the whole body. Rough and tumble play is sensory play. Uh, heavy work is sensory play. Anything that helps to develop the body's primary eight sensory systems is sensory play. And uh, and and Rebecca, because she's a a, a early learning nerd, uh, sent us sent Rachel and I an article about tag, which is totally sensory play. So um, let's talk about tag and see where it goes from there. Um, I the reason I even was looking this up is because my niece is in fourth grade, and they are not allowed to run on the blacktop at school. They can run on the grass area, but they can't run on the blacktop. But they can't run on the grass area right now because it's muddy, mm. because it's been raining a lot here. So they can't run or do anything. They just get to stand around on the blacktop. Uh, so I just couldn't, I, I couldn't fathom wanting to keep kids still when they're outside. Like, I wouldn't want to be in charge of that. I would want to let them run. So I was just like, wow, like, is this a thing? So I was like looking up, you know, like playground rules, like all kinds of like buzzwords. And yeah, it's, it's apparently a very common thing for elementary schools to ban running on blacktops, some of them ban running altogether, um, banning tag. I remember being in second grade and I was, I loved playing Red Rover and they banned that when I was in second grade. And that was about 1990 seven or eight mm -hmm. um and so it, i wonder like how far are we gonna go you know until like why why even have recess <laughs> well i mean i mean yeah i mean you laugh but there are there are schools that are doing that too there are there are places in the in the united states that have built elementary schools without playgrounds i mean uh it yeah i mean yeah uh it happens i i got in trouble uh and i've talked about it on the show before but i got in trouble years ago i was volunteering in a in a kindergarten classroom i'd go in like friday afternoons and hang out for a couple hours and the first day i went out for recess with the kids we were on the playground and and i reached over and whacked somebody on the back and said tag you're it and started running and like six five and six year olds turned around and stared at me with their jaws I mean, their mouth just like, are you trying to get us in trouble? One said, we can't, we can't run on the playground. Wow. I was like, I was like, what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Um, no, that's not the way the conversation <laughs> went. But, but I mean, that's, and I mean, yeah. So it, it, it's in, it's insane. Um, it goes to show that the people responsible for educating our children don't have two flying fucks to rub together when it comes to understanding what children need in child development and uh, and and really adds to I mean it's it's just one of those other indicators about why if you have the opportunity to you should look for a different setting for your child to learn whether it's homeschooling or for a school or or or, or I mean just so if if your child is in a place where they say don't run uh, you, you do anything you can to get them out of that setting 
thing because it's 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 tantamount of of neglect and abuse as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I find it torturous. I mean, I couldn't sure. I couldn't imagine being a I ran everywhere. I was a kid who just ran everywhere. I even inside I was getting in trouble for running. Um, but I, I I feel like it would have felt like a torturous to to not do that right to keep all of that inside is is really harmful you know so yeah, I, oh go ahead, go ahead Jeff. so no. the articles that you shared with us like they were here's all the reasons of why right but my my curiosity is if we're taking away running what behaviors are we seeing in the classroom now because kids are bottling all of that up so it's got to come out at some point so where are we seeing it and how are we seeing it? We're, we're not including that observation, in my opinion. Right. Everyone has these reasons why to ban tag is because it's not safe. Um, from what I've read from various articles I've read, uh, I went a little too deep probably in this topic. Um, <laughs> there's like <laughs> teachers that were quoted in, in various articles and the, the general comments were like, oh, the kids push each other too hard. Uh, there's too much crying. Uh, the kids are bullying each other. It's bullying. So and I just, it, it's just, it, it, it seems very, it, it seems like a lame excuse to, to be so perfectly <laughs> Last year, um, I got, my, my son was in kindergarten and I got a phone call. Um, he had to go to the principal's office because he was copying his, he has cousins who range from six months to two years older than him that go to school with him. And he was copying them. And they were holding arms with each other and one would spin and the other boy, you know, get the other boy off the ground. And as I'm talking to, I think it was the vice principal, I was like, so why exactly is he, in, is he in your office? And well, he hurt somebody and okay, I understand that. And somehow the conversation got turned to, we're, we're even going so far as to, thinking about banning tag and other certain games because kids are getting hurt. And my question was, so where's the, where's the teaching? If they're getting hurt, why aren't we teaching them? You yeah. Know? Um, one of the suggestions in the article was two finger touch. Like why, why don't we start with that? And then, you know, give them the power to enhance it once they've learned okay, I can touch this hard, but we're taking away that teaching opportunity by taking away games like tag. We're taking away the conversations and we're adding more stress and anxiety to our kids. Yeah, I think a big part of it is, um, like you said, that it's, a, it's a teaching opportunity uh, when a child gets hurt, right? Uh, whether they teach, I mean, they don't even need an adult to be there for that to be a teaching opportunity a lot of the times, you know, especially if you have children who feel empowered and have good relationships with each other, they can get up and say, Hey, you know, that, that hurt, you pushed me. That was too hard. I think a big part of it is that we don't have a lot of kids who have practiced with these skills. So you have all these kids who don't play together. Don't, they don't do a lot of playing with other children at home. So they're all coming to school. Right. And it's like their only time they're playing with other kids. So they're so far behind like just being able to play and engage with other peers than probably in the history of humanity right and so they're coming into this space and there's so many of them and then there's like how many yard duties right how many people can really support 
this, you know, dozens and dozens of children sometimes on the playground, depending on the school. I mean, there's schools here, my, the school my niece goes to, she's in fourth grade, I think just in her fourth grade class, there's over a hundred students, you know, between a few different teachers, obviously. But, you know, th- all those kids go to, to recess at the same time. That's a lot of kids. And then you have yard duties. And then how, how much do these yard duties really know about child development? Right. And so they're, they're just, oh, I, this kid's getting hurt. I don't want to lose my job. So I'm now I'm not going to let you play tetherball because someone got smacked in the face. So now, like my niece said, they have tetherball courts at her school, but they don't have balls on. Well, they're a lot safer that way. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> so much safer. <laughs> Exasperating. It's frustrating. 19, 1977, 1978 elementary school. Jeff, young Jeff. How, how old were you guys in 1977? Yeah. I was uh, negative 14. Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> we would go out for recess, playground, all asphalt. There were, there were monkey bars. There were those ones you go across like this. There's climbing on. They had a set of uneven bars that just for, just for spinning, uh, just con, just asphalt underneath it. Um, There were, there were basketball hoops. We, we would play, there would be 150 kids out on the playground at a time. We would play tag. There would be games of kickball going on. Uh, There was a four square with the big red bouncy balls, all of this going on. One, one adult on that playground. Right. She had a whistle around her neck. She was wearing, she was wearing a, a, a pair of, uh, she's wearing like uh, the knee-high leather boots. I remember those. I don't know why. Um, that's kind of just a Jeff thing. Um, and smoking <laughs> like, uh, smoking like uh, Lucky Strikes or Salem's or something. Smoke. She, and I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was cigarette break for her mostly. Uh, she blow the whistle once in a while. But other than that, it's 150 plus kids running around for half an hour. Um, right. We all survived. We were playing tag. Right. We were playing Red Rover on the asphalt. Everybody lived through it. I think I one think of the problems, it, it, go ahead. It's big because it, it, I think it's so different because now kids don't like you would do that. Now you put 150 kids now on a playground. They're going to be, it's not going to be as harmonious, right? They're going to have more injuries and more chaos because in 1971, that wasn't your only time playing with other kids, right? Like you went home and you played with other kids and you, you played with your cousins and your siblings. And now it's like, even within the home, children aren't playing with each other, you know? And so it's, it's kids are so capable of being able to kind of like govern their own play, even in these large group settings. But it's like, we're stealing that, that away from them, right? Where did we lose that? You know what I mean? What happened that we lost that sense of trust in our kids to be able to do those things, that trust in our kids to go outside and play? We lost that at some point. And now we've bubble wrapped our kids and we're so scared of anything happening to them that we'd rather ban it than teach the prop, like the proper way or model it. Yeah. I well, think I mean, a big part of it from what I've read, because I've this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, being, you know, opening a forest school and everything. I from what I've read, it's a lot of, of the fear mongering that happened in the eighties about like uh, kidnappings and just you know, it's it was almost taboo a, a, after so many like 
big cases came out, it was almost taboo to like, let your kids play outside, right? You were like the bad mom if you let your kids play outside. And, and it, it just, I think slowly over time got worse and worse and worse, right? Like you're, you're only a good parent if you're always watching your kids. Um, and so that I think is a big part of that. Just that fear mongering when in reality, your child is no more likely to get kidnapped today than they were in 1965. Um, I've looked at all of that data too, like per capita, it hasn't changed actually for the most part, it's gotten better as far as like stranger abductions. It's really low. Um, but there's, there's this huge fear. And so I think that coupled with the rise in technology in children's lives. I think those two things together have created just this, this recipe for disaster. One more. I'll throw this in there. Head Start. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So, so in the, in the eighties, when Head Start was reauthorized, Head Start, when it started out was very, very social emotional focused. It was focused on those relationships and anything and and everything in the eighties, when it was reauthorized, it became more academically focused. When Head Start became more academically focused, then preschools and childcare programs became more academically focused. And so that focus on academics, on sitting down and learning your ABCs and your one, two, threes meant kids were spending less time on the physical stuff just quote unquote just playing the way they had been for 10 or 20,000 years or a hundred thousand years before that. And, and so kids, like we talked about the last time we were together, when you're playing tag and you haven't developed your proprioceptive sense, so you don't know how much force you're using when you, when you push somebody, you are going to probably until you learn better, push people too hard in the playground. When you don't have a well-developed vestibular sense, when you're running on the playground, you're going to be more likely to trip and fall down. So because preschools aren't wiring those sensory systems the way we talked about because there's been this academic pushdown kids in elementary schools uh can't control their bodies yeah yeah multi-factor <laughs> mic drop i mean i think didn't head start i want it i i could be wrong about this but i want to say they when they started they were high scope which is not very academically based um it's more social emotional emergent learning and so I just wonder like why why did that change you know what who drove that that change to happen because it's affected so much I mean I I wanted to talk to you about this we could probably do a series of episodes about the experiences that I've had um picking up a little girl that I'm working with her family she goes to state preschool and oh my goodness like it it blows my mind this is a child who needs to work on her gross motor skills and her social skills. And she's being sent home with packets of homework every day. (laughs) And she can read this child can Mm -hmm. read and she can write, but the homework she's getting every day is a packet with letters, but she actually needs to practice like jumping and running and walking without tripping. And so it's, I just, I don't know who to blame for this, right? Like there's, there's so many policymakers and lobbyists and this and that, that I'm like, who drove, who drove this change? Because there's, there's gotta be more to the story. There has to be some more intention behind this change. And why is there some big honcho hiding in the shadows wanting our youth to be experiencing childhood in this way? 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. Time out. <laughs> uh, a, a honcho hiding in the shadows. <laughs> yes, that's how I feel. Like there's like policymakers and people that like you never know who actually you know, makes these decisions, right? There's always someone's name. I'm sure there's someone's name on the California Curriculum Foundations. Someone wrote that. There's some department. But like, I just mean, there's there was a push in the in the late 80s. And I would say even in the early 90s, as far as like first five and and the early is, earlier is better, right? And I'm just wondering like why we did that. And it was it really because that's what we thought was best? Or is there something deeper here as far as like, we want as many kids in these public schools as possible and to be able to control control the, their path. You know what I mean? If you put all these kids in, in child-led programs, God forbid they might learn about themselves and actually be able to figure out their way in the world instead of waiting to be told what to do. Well, look, right? I wouldn't want anybody to think I was a cynic or... <laughs> anything like that. But um, most of the people that are ultimately responsible for making decisions about children edu children's education don't give two flying fucks about children. Um, maybe, maybe their own, maybe their grandchildren, maybe children that they've met, but children as, as a whole, probably not. What they're concerned about is money and power. And people who are, are make, I mean, all those decisions are made are, are made about money and power. The the companies selling the curriculums, the publishing companies, uh, teachers unions, um, and on and on it goes. Uh, they've all got interests interests vested other places than the day to day yeah. welfare of of children. And it's sad, but that's just the way the the world is. And and then ultimately, that's that goes to back to who people vote for. I mean, in, in your state, the, the person hiding in the shadows is, is probably Gavin Newsom with his beautiful, beautiful hair. You know, I think that <laughs> Gavin Newsom is the face for many things, but there are so many, so many people behind that, that beautiful head of hair. They're I, I mean, actually, he, they're in there. He's got great hair, doesn't he? <laughs> but no, I, I, I guess my whole point is I just feel that the information is out there for like how to nourish a child's development. Uh -huh. um, and so there's obviously some concerted effort by some group of people who knows many people, a general society that we want to limit our kids, right? You, you don't put kids in a child-led environment. You stick them in a box for so many years. That's how you get people who are 18, 19, 20 years old, and they don't know a single thing about themselves. They just go get a mundane job and they just, it's like another cog in the machine. That's how I feel, you know, and I just like, if you want to be a cog in the machine, that's great. But I just don't want that to be, I don't feel like that should be forced upon our kids and it's, it, it, it is being forced upon them. Sound very re re rebellious for a young person. I like that. Um, so the way kids get better at playing tag is to play more tag, banning, yeah. banning young humans from doing things that they're not very good at doesn't sound like a, a good way to proceed. Um, hey, hey, little, little, uh, Raphael isn't very good at reading, better not give him any books. 
Um, right. It, it seems to be the exact opposite. Banning those kind of things is, I mean, if a kid isn't good at climbing stairs, you probably want to expose them to some stairs so they can practice. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, more more of the thing, right? Um, look, there, there was a time I wasn't very good at drinking rum, but uh, with practice... <laughs> I mean, it's not something I practice daily, but with with a regular practice, I can I can drink grog with the best of them now. Um, that maybe that wasn't a good example. That probably wasn't a good example. I probably could have thought something else. Huh? Um, uh, so, I just I feel like we're so eager to bubble wrap our kids. That's what you know. We'd rather bubble wrap them than expose them to the experience. And that's my frustration is we, we declare it in the name of safety and keeping them safe, but are we really by taking these things away? No. Yeah. I mean, what's safer like a kid who, who falls it and scrapes the knee on the blacktop or a child who is so overwhelmed by all the energy you have in their body that they get upset and they flip a table or flip a desk in the classroom. And then no, that, now they're on on-campus suspension and now they have a mark on their record. And that, you know, it's, it's, that's what I mean about like, I just feel like there's, there's so much opportunity for our kids to be nourished and, and encouraged. And instead they're, they're punished for just being th themselves. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, a, that is a problem. And that is, that is a huge problem. And I am constantly like racking my brain of, of ways for me as an individual and an educator and just a person who engages with other people, um, how can we put that word out there and change that that narrative? By by playing more tag, um, they they play play tag at your 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 program, Rachel. I let them. Yes. Anybody anybody lose an eye or anything? Not yet. We might fall and scrape our knee, but I mean, I always have a first aid kit on hand, and we yeah. handle it. Is the kids it, today were, were uh, literally playing, it wasn't really tag, we were going down a steep hill and they were using clumps of dirt to play tag with each other. Like the kid at the top of the hill would roll the clump of dirt down until it like smacked someone in the back of their leg. And then that kid was it. And then they had to find a clump of dirt and roll it down to the next kid. And, and so, I mean, that could have ended really poorly, but they had a fantastic time. Sure. I, I remember once I was probably 16, 17, my, me and a couple of buddies were skipping school because, I mean, we did that a lot and we were at this lake and we, we played this, ver it's, it sounds a lot like that, it's a version of tag with handfuls of slimy lake bottom mud and it was all about just whacking somebody in the face or the chest or the back with one of those handfuls was the way you tagged them. And, and that yep. went on for hours and it was, it was delightful and much better than sitting through American history and uh, whatever else we were, <laughs> we were skipping on that particular Friday or Monday. Um, what kind of, what kind of tags, get, what kind of versions of tag did you guys play when you're little? Any memories? I, my, honestly, my fondest memory of like child, my, early childhood in the elementary school we did um star wars was really big Star Wars and james bond is what we played a lot yeah i know i don't know i was a strange kid um but just it wasn't even tag it was just chase like 
uh, constantly chasing whoever was deemed the bad guy. We didn't hurt each other. Uh We were just running after and then we would play like play fight without hurting each other. You know what I mean? There was no like I wasn't punching Andy in the face. It was just like, oh, here we go. Like pretend hit and then run away. And I had I got to carry the title of I was the fastest runner. You can't catch me, you know, and to me, that was like the best thing to be the fastest runner, especially because I was a girl playing with boys. That's awesome. which which James Bond? I don't. So I personally was not allowed to watch James Bond, um, mm-hmm. Southern Baptist preacher's daughter here. So <laughs> I was living uh, vicariously through um, this little boy that his, that's all he watched at home, and so he would tell us what who we were. Um, I think I was 006 as the girl. I think. Okay. Oh my goodness. That's what, that's all I knew is I was 006. And so I'm chasing so whoever this is. You didn't have to be pussy galore. <laughs> Another James Bond. Okay. I didn't, so he, okay. I just wanted to know. I was always an agent. I always the good okay. guy. <laughs> which, uh... <laughs> oh my goodness. My what verses did you play? Uh, my, my favorite tag was, why well, two? We played this, I don't even know if we called it, it, it a name, but like we would play kickball. And then, like, after the game, we would, like, announce, like, okay, this is the last, like, inning of kickball. And then just whenever the game was over, we would start, like, playing tag with the ball. Like, the game would be over, and then whoever had the ball nearest them would chuck it at somebody. And then if you got hit with it, then you had to go get the ball and and hit somebody else with it, which was fun because you really wanted to hit somebody because otherwise you have to keep chasing down your own ball. So we had to be very accurate. And then I loved playing freeze tag. Loved playing freeze yeah. tag. We would like, you know, freeze. And then like only someone who was unfrozen could come unfreeze you. So you had to like stand there, you know. And that was like one of my favorite, favorite games because of just like the not only the chase of playing tag, but like, oh, I want to go save my friend. Like, can, can I? Can I, can I make it before the other person gets me, mm-hmm. you know, and we would do that on like the playground where like the person almost like lava monster, they would be on the, the tambark and we would be up on the playground and they could only come up like briefly to untag us. It was really, it was so much fun. Did you, when you got froze, did you have to stay in the position you were? Yeah. And did yeah. you, did you, did you ever, did you ever hyper exaggerate that? So you'd be in a cooler position. I think when I first started, uh, but then I realized it was uncomfortable. Sure. If so you're, like, yeah. Like, if you have to like stand on one leg or something. Yeah. By yeah. second grade, I was like toning it down. You don't, <laughs> like, don't want to, you don't want to cramp up. Um, yeah. We would play, we, and we played like TV tag. I don't remember the, you'd like to yeah. had to na- name like Charlie's angels. You had to come show. up with, and you couldn't, you couldn't like repeat names and tunnel tag. You had to go through their legs to unfreeze them. Yeah. Um, yep all kinds of that stuff. And that's, I was, I was talking to, I recorded with Brett a while ago. We were talking about this. They used to play a game where every, they get all the swings in the playground going with people. And then the other people would try to run behind the swings without getting hit by the swings. I think they call, I don't, they called that traffic jam or something like that. I'd call it, I'd go with Frogger. That's what I would call that. But that sounds like a I, 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 I've been thinking, I don't know, I, on my Playvolution HQ website, I think I'd like to start collecting 
the people's memories of these games they made up um the different versions of tag and and all those kind of things you got the floor is lava all that kind of, where you you ever do the thing where you're walking along and you, you got one foot on a curb and you're walking one side of you is on the curb and the other side is walking down on the uh on the pavement those kind of things and just all those all those stupid goofy things because all of that going back to that that sensory play and sensory integration we talked about those are all versions of that Definitely. Um, Re Rebecca, you mentioned uh, Red Rover, Red Rover. What was what was that like? Yeah, I just remember like I remember I was like the type of kid as on the playground. Like I would gather people to play games, and so I remember enjoying like the before the game even started, trying to like pick who was going to be on my side and who was going to be on the other person's side, right? And so it was just so much fun. I just have really fond memories of like going around and grouping people up and like arguing about who's going to go where and, and playing Red Rover. And we, we had a really big like grass field in my elementary school, like just nothing but grass. And we, they let us play Red Rover all the time. And we had no problems with it, like bumps and bruises here and there. And one day this kid broke his arm. I don't think it was even anything like super rough. He just, when he got chucked back, he landed, he like went to catch himself on his, his arms and he just landed weird and his, his arm twisted and he got like a hairline fracture. He came back with a cast, everyone signed it. It was this whole big thing. But yeah, after that, that day, they, they banned Red Rover from school. We weren't allowed to play it anymore. And I remember like trying to secretly play it, which you can't really do. It's really hard to secretly play Red Rover when everyone, everyone's shouting, Red Rover, Red Rover. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, and now I, I don't even think kids know what that game is anymore. Um, and oh. now, now they're losing tag. I'm like, what's next? <laughs> so confession, I have never played Red Rover. Wow. Oh my, oh. Yeah. It's oh. such a blast. Yeah. Uh, preacher's daughter thing that wasn't allowed or i don't know i just never nobody ever played it <laughs> on that. Yeah. i mean i i was homeschooled for a little bit but not like terribly just oh I my gosh you so need to, to kindergarten and fourth grade i was homeschooled you you need to get a crew of uh i, I mean next time you have a staff meeting or something oh, or God. maybe a birthday a birthday party or something you need to you need to you need to play some red rover and i need to see video um do you know what red rover is like the goal vaguely one? don't you like hold each other and say red okay. rover like, red wait, rover wait, 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 wait. she's never played she doesn't know okay so you have two lines of people on either side right and yeah you you're like linking arms and then one like side calls over someone from the other side so they say red rover red rover send rachel on over and then you have to run and your goal is to run to the other side and break through if you break through then you get to go back to your team if you don't break through and the other team like slams you back then you're on their team and you have to join them. so okay. the game essentially ends when there's only like there's no one left on the other side and okay. so it would last for so long and we would be throwing each other around and and yeah it was it, the the feeling of like watching someone come at you full force with all of their energy and you just have to hold on really tight like to the impact <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you're waiting for impact 
fun. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, we, she needs to know how awesome this game is. Now, it was Rebecca, little- did you ever do the thing where they would, they would right before impact, you'd let their hands go and they'd go like flying into a lilac bush? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Did, did you ever do the thing where you, you would raise your arms up and clothesline them and catch them in the, in Ooh, the, no. uh, in the, no, you never no, do that. No, no. That's okay. Like, I feel like that's getting into more of like the crazy boy territory. <laughs> um, did you? the The other one is you. You lower yourself down and get them right, right at the shin, so they'd fly over. Ever do nope. that one? Nope. Okay. That um, sounds. Cool. You sound like a red you know, rover pro. Like I'm a 90s kid. Maybe in the 70s it was a little more crazy. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit uh, rougher. And, and we had. Uh, we were playing, we had, we were carrying lawn darts at the same, no, we didn't have any lawn darts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been great too. Um, yeah, all those games. Hey, listeners, if you got an old playground game, you remember that it was just one of those kid things that that uh, everybody in the neighborhood played. I want to hear about it. Voicemail or text 228-363-6737. Maybe I'll start collecting them on the Playvolution HQ site. Um, so all of that, all those games are sensory play. The banning of them is insane. Kids that aren't good. At, I mean, you know, if you got a kid that's not good at checkers, do you, oh, he, he, when he, when he picks up the checker pieces, he, he has a hard time manipulating them to jump and he doesn't know, he doesn't know the difference between which color is which and which square stay on. So no more checkers for him. No, no. We, if you want a kid to get good at checkers, they play more checkers. If you want to get, get a kid to get good at reading, you give them more opportunities to read. You want a kid to learn how to play tag without pushing somebody too hard or or having a stroke because they, they fall down and get a little bump on their knee. They need to play more tag. Um, it's all part of wiring the system. And you know what? The other thing is, it's fucking fun. Why not have a little bit of fun in your childhood? I couldn't have said it better myself, Jeff. Well, how much we all were just laughing, like reminiscing on our favorite sure, games. Sure, and people, you know, I I bring this up. I re, I bring up in some of the trainings I do those com- have co- those conversations about the stuff we used to play, and and people, I mean, some of them are 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 just shocked at the stuff that they did compared to what kids are allowed to do now because there's no way kids could would be allowed and some are shocked that they that they lived through it. I've heard stories of people they would they played a game like uh uh going down the laundry chute. In in the house, um, <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds. That I just mean, brings back like visions of my grandma's laundry chute, and I used to think something lived in her basement. Like, do you remember Home Alone where he was scared of the furnace? Okay, yes. that was her. That was her laundry chute to me, and I'm like, who would be brave enough to dive down that? Uh, there, there are those kids out there. Uh, most of us live through our childhood um, because, well, we are wired to be risk takers. We are also um, not suicidal. We want to survive our childhoods, and so the the way we get good also at managing our abilities not to hurt ourselves is to put ourselves in situations where we might get hurt so we can we can learn to take manage and, ass- and assess risks um these last two episodes this episode I'll, I'll put links on the playvolution hq site i've got uh links to articles about danger risk and hazard and i think they kind of relate to what we're talking about here so i'll make sure i put links in the episode notes to those also we're looking at building a a a early learning play-based community of practice practice online where people have to get together and, and talk about old games and sensory play and all the bullshit rules that you have to work with and all I, whatever people want to talk about. Um, looks like it's going to happen, at least as a test drive.
don't know if it'll succeed, but if you're interested in being part of it, check out the link in the show notes. Um, if you send it links to a form, uh, just get your contact information and um, I'll reach out to you when we're ready to move forward. If you're interested, any final thoughts before we pull the plug? Um, talk with someone a loved one, a friend, a coworker about your favorite childhood game and ask them theirs and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned friend. I get, I got a note here. I'll talk to you guys about this. It's one of those. I mean, um, so I got to, um, look, I got somebody, I, somebody might want to be friends with me. Ooh. Like in, in real life. Um, look, oh. okay. So we moved into the snuggery, right. And, uh, and there's this, uh, you know, met this guy that lives uh, apartment down down the way that when we were moving in, a nice guy. We chatted, um, old guy like me, and we chatted a little bit. And then I went out with my life. And and then a couple of weeks ago, I'm out and I'm I'm headed out on a bike ride or something, and we chat again and everything. And and he's like, you know, we should get together, uh, get the wives together, and 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 do dinner sometime. I thought, oh, oh my god, that's the last thing I'd want to do. Um, and then I thought, well, what a dick you are, Jeff, for doing that, because this is, I mean, every, every indication is this is a nice guy. Um, and so I'm, I'm like the, uh, yeah, with, with our schedules and everything, that's kind of, kind of tough. And he's like, oh, my, my, my wife's a nurse. She works nights too. So maybe, I mean, lunch is a possibility too. And I'm like, oh, oh. And so now I'm either going to have to go to lunch or dinner, or I'm going to have to avoid the guy for the rest of my life. Right. Just go, go. But look, I, I have, I, I mean, it's me you and the dog. You have no good excuse not to go. Yeah, I so don't good. like, I don't like people. I mean, that's a good excuse. <laughs> you know, I um, always, I never want to go to events. My husband's a social butterfly and I am an introvert by far. But I always end up having fun once I get there. Like, I'll talk myself up like, no, I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. But once I get there, I have fun. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, all you got to do is go once. And then if it's a shitty time, just be like, I had a shitty time. Sorry. Let's part our ways. Yeah, sorry, I'm not interested. (laughs) You only live once. It's a risk play, risk take. Yes. Do a risk benefit analysis, I think. I think you'll end up going. Well, I, I think I'd rather go for a walk with the dogs on the beach and look for dead sea turtles. Um, Maybe he I don't would know. too. Yeah, yeah, invite him for that. Take our ladies well, out and look for dead turtles. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I need a. I don't know if I need an in real life friend. Um, but listeners, I'll, I'll keep you. I'll keep you apprised of the situation. This has been the Child Care Park Girl Podcast. Thanks for listening. Back soon. <laughs> bye bye. Bye-bye. And I mean, then I'd have to remember his name. Um, I'd have to it, look then then at, at some point he might move and I'd have to help um, or, or worse. He could have a stroke and then I'd have to go over and feed him soup or something. I, it just seems like a big commitment. What if, but think about it, flip the script. What if you need help? Um, I, I, I call somebody um, if I get to the point where I can't, if I, if I get to the point where I can't eat soup, I'll have somebody put me in my kayak and just push me out to sea. Um, And then somebody will find me washed up on the beach. I mean, I've got it all planned out.
Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. When was the last time somebody said, hey, hey, Rachel, let's be friends? You want the honest truth? Yeah. This week? Oh, crap. I, I got told you give off this vibe and I just want to be your friend. That's so awesome. It, it was like I was flattered. It was flattering. Uh, if this dude would have said I gave off a bra, if he would, <laughs> I, I would have ran. Um, hmm. But okay, this is a, a new mom to mm -hmm. me. And we're coworkers, so it was kind of a different situation. Yeah, different, yeah. different, different sitch. Um, now I got to leave this part in the episode. <laughs> this has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.